this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host ji sampath a few weeks ago in another in focus podcast we discussed the controversy over india being ranked 180th out of 180 countries in the environment protection index over the course of that conversation it became obvious that environmental protection is not a top priority for our government now soon after being ranked worst in the world for environmental protection the ministry of environment forest and climate change has proposed changes to the three main laws that govern environmental protection and pollution in the country the environment protection act 1986 water prevention and control of pollution act 1974 and air prevention and control of pollution act 1981 the changes according to the government are an attempt to decriminalize minor infringements of environmental regulations so what exactly are these changes which are being proposed will they help the cause of environmental protection or will they embolden violators as some critics seem to fear We explore these questions uh, in this episode of In Focus, and our guest today is Manju Menon from the Center for Policy Research, New Delhi. Manju, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Sampath. Thank you for uh, inviting me on this podcast. Uh, Manju, to start with, can you give us a quick overview of what specifically are the proposed changes to the three legislations, and what happens next? Yeah. so uh, we are talking about uh, these proposed changes that the government has just sort of put out for public comment uh, and these are uh, with respect to four laws and they largely deal with questions of pollution uh, what the government is suggesting in this proposal is to actually create a hierarchy of offenses in the uh, with respect to pollution uh, laws and uh, the idea being that there are certain kinds of minor offenses and non compliance uh, which can be dealt with through uh, you know fines and penalties rather than criminal uh, sort of prosecution it doesn't completely the proposal uh, in my understanding doesn't completely take away from uh, the criminal uh, liability route because it does state that if these penalties are not paid then the uh, penalties could go higher and it could also end up in criminal prosecution and certainly for projects that are uh, operating without the approvals or consents from the pollution laws those will still be treated as criminal offenses so in that sense basically what the government is attempting to do is to create a hierarchy of offenses it's also the proposal also mentions a few other things like for example through the penalties uh, the monetary penalties the, the central government aims to create a remediation fund which will be controlled by the central government and uh, these penalties will be assessed and levied by appointed adjudicating officers so that's another aspect that is there in these proposals and the third aspect which also is is critical is that it has introduced a system where the state pollution control boards can exempt certain types of industries from taking approvals and these exemptions can be made through notifications in my understanding this was not uh, available earlier under the pollution laws and uh, what the proposals uh, the proposals are in public domain for the next 20 days 
and and then the government will decide what the next steps would be because these are legislations that the government is aiming to amend then the they would have to go through the parliamentary route and would have to be passed by parliament if these acts are to be implemented if these changes are to be implemented and of course if these changes are uh, go through then corresponding rules will have to be made by the government you know which which can then be used to implement uh, these changes right i i thought the changes were being made to three laws the water pollution act air pollution act and the environment protection act but i thought you mentioned four laws yeah there's also the public liability insurance act uh, which has a completely different set of activities going on so are these uh, proposed changes only an attempt to decriminalization because this whole uh, a theme of decriminalization for minor offenses is a dominated uh, discussion about these laws and these proposed changes so is it only about decriminalization or is there also an element of dilution of the laws and the dilution of the deterrent effect that they are supposed to have on violations is it also happening Yeah I I don't think either of these terms really uh, help to understand what's going on our pollution laws and institutions are quite archaic and they have been ineffective for a pretty long time and you know uh, because of that pollution has actually become such a visible public issue across almost the entire country there are there's a lot of community action against polluting entities you know in the form of protests and litigation and these tend to impact project operations and their financing and sometimes in a very major way and so the government may have felt the need to intervene and insulate economic entities from these kinds of disruptions so you know these proposals seem to address uh, the problems of a few people in this system but at the cost of everyone else who may be affected by pollution these steps were recommended i mean uh, this this whole point about uh, you know creating a hierarchy of offenses was actually recommended in the tsr subramanian report the high level committee that was set up uh, to reform six environmental laws way back in 2014 uh, in response uh, you know when the when the high level committee report had come out uh cpr had suggested a comprehensive framework of principles for environmental regulation and at that point um you know the the issue that we were trying to tell the government is that it's not actually enough to just regulate uh actors uh, economic entities for pollution but it is important for society to realize the benefits of these regulations and so the regulation has to be meaningful and has to be directed towards creating better environmental outcomes but unfortunately that's not the case that's happening with the way these amendments are being proposed they seem to be you know taken up in a very piecemeal way and they are you know they seem to be addressing very narrow and partisan interests when actually all of society is is affected by pollution specifically on the question of uh, liability right civil or criminal liability that that has become the main issue because of the of this proposal that has come out see actually i think that's also framing the issue the problem at hand in a very narrow way because whether it's civil or criminal liability we are mainly relying on a command and control method of regulation so it's it's a system of policing you know and that's simply not workable 
in in our context given the size and nature of our economic activities which cause pollution and environmental impacts it tends to it tends to concentrate power and discretion in the hands of the regulators and that's what ends up leading to what we call regulatory capture so i think it's a complex set of issues that are involved here you know and the proposed uh, the proposal that the government has put out uh, you know it seems to have activated all of those issues that are actually major problems in the way our uh, regulatory framework is uh, is structured right you spoke about uh, there being uh, a greater emphasis on command and control structures and policing but that is what uh, we are familiar with apparently in this country what are the other alternative ways of regulation so that the norms environmental norms and pollution norms are respected without this command and control structure or this police centric way of regulation coming into play yeah i i think i think it's really important to consider those different alternatives and you know what we had recommended from cpr in response to the high level committee report was a qualitative outcomes framework basically what we were trying to say is that environmental legislations actually need to be you know founded on a uh, positive and tangible you know social and environmental outcomes rather than trying to block certain negative and very vague kinds of goals or objectives like for example you know our pollution laws are basically dependent on trying to create uh, trying to take decisions with minimum environmental impact or it tries to you know ensure that the pollution load does not exceed permissible limits you know these are negative indicators or negative outcomes and whereas we should be focusing on uh, what are the positive and uh, goals and objectives that we want to see happening when we implement environmental laws because it's only if those positive objectives are clearly uh, you know articulated and stated that uh, we can actually then try and figure out who are the actors then who need to be involved in that process and then all of us work with those positive goals in mind you know and so you don't have to keep policing people for not doing the wrong thing so we spoke a little bit about the alternative uh, ways of looking at this regulation business but going back to the police centric uh, way of approaching it it has been the case so far what has been the track record within the indian criminal justice system in terms of prosecutions and convictions under the provisions of these existing pollution control laws i mean is there anything at all in the experience till date which suggests that within courts this decriminalization is warranted yeah i don't think that uh, the government's aim is entirely to decriminalize but i think the government is aiming to avoid courts as far as possible you know because uh, government would like to avoid litigation uh, as much as possible and for that i think the aim is to create an administrative process within the pollution regulatory bodies that can deal with certain kinds of violations and non compliance you know the the role of uh, the court system in managing and helping to control pollution i think most people agree that you know it's not the most effective way of dealing with this issue of uh, pollution i mean if you look at criminal prosecution the issue it's it's extremely difficult uh, to pursue that because of a very high evidentiary burden and very complex procedures that are involved 
state pollution control boards as the institutions in charge of pollution are often not able to follow through with these cases at all. And so it ends up with a very low or almost non-existent conviction rate. Uh, state pollution control boards have certain kinds of powers, like, for example, they can cut off uh, water supply and things like that. Uh, but those are often, they have uh, they have a certain amount of backlash and they're seen as a disproportionate response to the kinds of, you know, problems that are taking place uh, with projects. Even with civil penalties, uh, even with, uh, you know, uh, civil cases, there are a number of issues, especially because procedures often tend to be very lengthy in courts and they go on for a long time and they go right up to uh, the higher courts. And so during that period, uh, you know, if there is no stay on the project, say, for example, then the pollution or the damage can continue to go on, you know. So because of these issues, a lot of people do agree uh, that the court system may not be the most well-equipped to deal with pollution issues. There's also the question of uh, civil penalties, you know, uh, which the courts can impose or, uh, and even in the case of the uh, remedies that are provided by the NGT, that in monetary terms, they are not adequate to deal with the kinds of impacts that uh, polluting entities can can cause. And there's often a sort of a, an interplay between, uh, you know, whether the penalties should be excessive or should they be on the lower side? Because excessive penalties end up, you know, uh, hampering enforcement itself. You know, you may not see too much enf- enforcement if the penalties are too high. But if the penalties are insufficient, then it does not help to deal with pollution at all. And that may continue. If we look at penalties as, uh, as something whose objective is to enforce deterrence, then isn't it obvious that the penalty should be excessive? Because either you you follow the norms so that you don't have to pay the excessive penalty which you don't want to pay, or you violate and then you go bankrupt trying to pay the penalties and shut down your business. Isn't that supposed to how it works? Yeah, you can do it. You can, it can. It might be effective in one or two cases. But uh, given the scale at which we require these remedies to play out, it doesn't work out in that context because eventually there will be some backlash against these excessive penalties and, you know, what is their role in, uh, what is the role of these entities in the economy and things like that. Those questions will come up and it will become an impediment to enforcement itself. How does that kind of backlash compared with the backlash which, which should, I don't know if it comes at all, uh, the backlash to uh, environmental damage. Yeah, so I mean, it these these are issues actually that play out in different ways in different cases. It's, it's because of these kinds of issues that a number of legal scholars have actually suggested that you know we should focus a lot more on administrative processes and which can be much more participatory. They can be designed to include a lot more stakeholders rather than just government and the polluting entity. These kinds of administrative processes can also be very time sensitive in the sense that they can provide remedies at an early stage so that uh, communities or, you know, if there are ecological impacts, they don't have to remain that way for too long. So the administrative processes can also be designed in such a way that they can have a deterrent effect. Because, you know, if you have uh, administrative processes that kick in at the right time, then uh, most of the enti- uh, you know economic entities or projects they are aware of the fact that 
you know, the response will be immediate from the system and uh, proportionate, you know, sort of uh, penalties will follow in those cases. So, you know, so administrative remedies have been considered as a good way to balance out these problems. Uh, but the issue in India is, you know, that has happened uh, is that uh, most of the time, whether it's, you know, administrative processes or civil penalties, they are rarely a- accepted by the companies who flout the norms. Basically, companies see it as a reputational issue and they don't want to really accept that they have flouted certain norms. And so they are likely to push these cases to court if uh, penalties are imposed on them. Right. So speaking of penalties, one aspect uh, of these changes uh, that has that has also come up for debate is that uh, the money collected from these fines would be used to create a specific fund under each act, you know, a fund for remedying air pollution under the Air Pollution Act, water uh, pollution remedial measures for uh, under the Water Pollution Act, and so on. So, so will they will will these funds? Uh, be used to actually improve the quality of the air, water, environment, etc. Or will they be used more to compensate the people affected uh, by these environmental uh, violations? Uh, yeah, the I think from the proposals, it's not clear. Uh, so maybe useful to have uh, clarifications from the government about what are the intentions behind creating these funds. They may also, if these uh, if these proposals go through, then they may also flesh out these ideas of what the funds will do in the corresponding rules. So we may have to wait a little bit to really understand what what is the government's thinking about creating these funds. But whatever it is, given the way pollution control boards are structured as an institution and uh, knowing how they work, we will have to institute new mechanisms, you know, for to ensure that these assessments take place in such a way that they take into account the social aspects, the health and livelihood aspects, and the ecological aspects. Presently, PCBs, uh, pollution control boards, are not not really equipped to deal with pollution as uh, social or ecological problems. They actually see these as problems of chemistry. And so uh, they are not really equipped to try and think about uh, remedies, you know, which are created, uh, uh, you know, what kinds of remedies we need and what the funds should be utilized for when they're imposed as penalties. From our own work on documenting several case studies of uh, communities who are affected by pollution and who've tried to get compensations for even simple things like the pollution of their land, which actually should be easily assessed even for those kinds of issues, you know, these are very long drawn out processes and they're filled with a number of challenges. So, you know, there will have to be several measures, several changes made to how pollution control boards operate if they are to take on responsibilities like this. Right. And is there any change envisaged in the role of the NGT, the National Green Tribunal, uh, with these amendments? Yeah, so the NGT has been dealing with a lot of non-compliance of uh, pollution laws and consents, pollution consents in the last few years. So this issue really needs to be examined about how these proposals may change or, uh, you know, may may change the role of the NGT in in these cases. Uh, One point that the proposal makes is that the government's uh, proposals definitely state that anyone can go to the NGT 
after the adjudicating officer has issued an order for penalties. So in a sense, it seems like what the government is proposing is for this adjudicating officer to act like an appellate within the pollution control board system. Uh, instead of these issues going to the NGT directly, there's also, you know, pollution control boards are also expected to have an appellate mechanism already uh, by the pollution laws. And this is an appellate mechanism which is constituted with a judge and expert members and orders of the pollution control board can be challenged in this appellate before going to courts. But unfortunately, the experience of the appellates has not been a very great one. In fact, these appellates uh, that are to be created by the PCBs, they differ from state to state and some states still don't have it. Like, for example, Chhattisgarh has not constituted an appellate, a PCB appellate. Uh, Gujarat does not have a functional appellate. So these are already certain institutions that were already uh, there as per law or should have been there as per law. So now that these new proposals are suggesting an adjudicating officer for you know looking at these violations, it's not clear actually what will be the relationship between the adjudicating officer's work and that of these appellates, the NGT and the courts in general. Right. Now, uh, we're running out of time. So one final question before we uh, wrap up. What, what is the general global practice with regard to environmental laws of this kind, you know, pollution control and environmental protection? Like, how, what is the balance there? You spoke a little bit about how it's more important to have administrative processes and not just, you know, a police-centric or, you know, a stick-based approach to uh, enforcement uh, or, say, an incarceration-centric or whatever fine centric like in my mind i i would imagine say the environmental impact assessment uh, framework you know where you have uh, public consultations and so on you know you spoke about including as many different kinds of stakeholders as they want but it seems to me that you know uh, right now in the last few years india has been going in the opposite direction of sort of minimizing these kinds of administrative requirements which are needed to be uh, passed as in which are needed to be met uh, before uh, a company or a corporate can go ahead and uh, do whatever it wants in terms of making use of the resources at risk, uh, which pose a risk uh, to the environment. So if we look at what where we are going in India at the moment with this administrative process-oriented approach to regulation, vis-a-vis what is the norm globally, how do you see the comparison? Like, What are your comments on this uh, comparison? Um, in my understanding, most developing countries actually have laws which are similar to India's pollution laws. And, uh, you know, in theory, that means that it is a combination of, you know, criminal liability as well as these fines and penalties. This is in theory, though. In practice, uh, you know, most of these issues are dealt with through fines and penalties because the problems of criminal prosecution actually exist everywhere. And more importantly, societies, you know, or governments do not want to criminalize economic actors, you know, because they see them as partners in economic growth. So they're usually not interested in going down the criminal prosecution route at all, you know. And so most developing countries are actually grappling with this question of, if not criminalize, how do you embed economic entities in society? and ensure that their actions are not harmful to communities and to the environment. 
and so this is an issue that a lot of uh, a lot of jurisdictions are are actually dealing with and are not really able to solve these issues you know the only uh, there are some countries of course uh, developed countries who have much better pollution laws and much stricter uh, you know and higher pollution standards but you know they are also the ones who have been successful at outsourcing their polluting industries you know to areas outside of their jurisdictions you know so and that's not really a way of managing pollution but it's only a way of displacing it or to you know sort of uh, spreading it out to other areas who do not have the economic abilities to to deal with uh, these kinds of activities but of course i think all of these kinds of arrangements are going to get tested now you know with climate change being not only seen as a global problem but actually being acted upon as a global problem because we see that there's a lot of litigation coming up where projects and companies are held responsible for their actions wherever they are irrespective of which jurisdictions they operate from so i think these things will all be challenged in the next few years given that pollution has actually become such a huge and visible social problem right i mean as you correctly pointed out it is becoming a more visible problem which uh, also means that it's no longer about i think for companies especially no longer about fulfilling certain criteria or administrative processes and bureaucratic requirements and norms it's also about having to deal with the visible impact of violations and and then it's a similar story to what's already happening with environmental violations as well if we as we begin to see actually for ourselves and feel rather uh, the effects of climate change it's not going to be uh, as before where you can just you uh, know manage to sort of subvert the norms of following some loophole or the other and you know try to manage i think it's going to be more and more difficult to deal with the visible effects of our violations and uh, we'll probably come back to these questions soon as we wait and see how these three amendments go through following a period of public consultation thank you so much manju for sharing your thoughts and insights with us we hope to be back with you soon sometime thank you thank you very much thank you so much in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.